Good morning. Thanks, Phil, for that lovely introduction. Um, what a wonderful morning it is. It's always a pleasure to fellowship and to minister to Jesus and to worship him. He is indeed, as Phil said, um, he is the good shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd, and we we'll always look up to him to, for counsel and for help. We are talking about heroes of faith and prayer. And each person each week is coming to share their own hero so that we all as a community and humanity can learn together from these great people. Today, I want to talk about my own hero of faith and prayer, who is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Galilean. People would think I'm cheating a little bit because Jesus is everybody's hero. That is true, but we must also acknowledge that he is. It will be sad to finish a series like this one without anybody talking about Jesus. Jesus is God, and that's why maybe people might feel it's unfair to talk about him in this manner. But he came, he stripped all his divinity, came to earth and lived as a proper human to show us the way. And so, as such, we must learn from him as a fellow human who came to show us how to live life. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? There are three reasons, uh, three theories that Christians use to explain the mission of Jesus. One is called Christus Victor. That means that Jesus came to, to afford us a victory that we could never have achieved. He came to destroy the forces of darkness that were working against his creation. In a way, he came to make it possible for us to be victorious in this world because he came and bound the strong man, as he said, so that he can plunder the home and release us, the, captive, the captives, were held against our wishes by the forces of darkness. So if there is somebody who feels really bothered by dark forces, there is a victory that, came, that just came to achieve for all humanity. All you have to do is accept him as your personal savior, and you will have an opportunity to experience and to enjoy the victory that he has won, both in this world and in the world to come. So he is... The, one, the victorious one who came to conquer the forces of darkness. That was his, part of his mission. Mission, uh, another way of looking at why Jesus came is called penal substitution. He came to be substitute for us, to die a death that we should have died, so that we can live the life that only God can enjoy. Life that is free from all that is bad and evil. And that's afforded because he died a death that he should have died. We are all sinners, as Christians call us, or we are all people who are broken, who are unable to live truly the way we want to live because we are incapable of living the good life truly and purely. Jesus came to live on our behalf, the life that we should have lived, and died a death that we should have died, so that that which is, was impossible for us is made possible through his coming. He came to be a substitute for us. Isn't that wonderful? Can you imagine somebody dying a death for you so that you can live? That's exactly what he came to do. The third way of looking at Jesus is to see him as a moral example. That he did not come necessarily only 
to die a death that should have died or only to defeat the forces of darkness that are working against us. But he also came to show us the love of God and to demonstrate to us what love looks like and to be an example of what it means to be a true human. We can look at Jesus and learn what it means to be a true man, to be a true woman, to be a true child, to be a true granddad. We can see all that through the life of Jesus. So he's an example for us. Lately, I've been reading a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Harry. And in that book, the author talks about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And he says Christians no longer see Jesus as the way that much. And the point of my talk this morning is to bring us back to a point where we see Jesus in his true human sense as the way, as an example for us, as one who came to show us how to live life. That would be a wonderful thing to do. We always have things to learn um, from the works of Jesus. What then can we learn? There's so much that he spoke about and it's impossible in a talk like this to cover majority or significant amount of what Jesus' life was about. I won't be able to do justice to that in just 15 or 20 minutes. So what shall I do? I'll look at one subject area that he spoke about and his life demonstrated how to do that well. And I'm hoping that that will challenge you and I to consider that subject in our own lives and to be able to do that subject well as well. So let's, let's look at this subject area. It's the area of forgiveness. He taught quite a bit about forgiving other people. It is a difficult subject, forgiveness, because it asks victims to show grace. Our society and life and sense of justice really require and demand that the perpetrator does the amending. Forgiveness asks for the opposite. So what is forgiveness? And I think, you know, the best place to start is always Google. And I came through Wikipedia. I'm told by some that's a dodgy source, but actually I like what they say about forgiveness. Here's what they say. They say forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense and overcomes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance, however justified it might be. So forgiveness is a process. It's a voluntary, it's an intentional process carried out by the victim. Um, and that requires some changes within the victim's feelings and attitudes regarding an offense. And that's those, cha those changes are designed to overcome negative emotions against um, the offense, even though those negative emotions are very much justified. Where does Jesus talk about forgiveness? There is a, uh, an area in one of the New Testament books, Matthew, uh, where Jesus was talking to his teaching his disciples and talking to them about church life and the need to uh, forgive one another in church. 
And Peter, Apostle Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, asked a question, and this is in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I think Peter asking this question was thinking seven times is a ridiculous amount to forgive somebody who keeps sinning against you. And I think he might have hoped that Jesus would say, well, five times, okay, seven, let's push it, seven is fine. Jesus said actually up to 77 times. Um, can any of us, I certainly struggle to count a person who has offended me 77 times in a single day. If that was to happen, I don't know how the day will end for them and for me as well. I just think it's, it's, it's far too much. And this is the thing about Jesus. Some of his statements are so counter-cultural and counter-intuition that we can dismiss them as ridiculous statements. But that's how to live life. That's how our Lord taught us to live life. 77 times, he said, and he went on to give a story, which was one of his favorite things, which was giving people stories so that he makes his point, he drives his points home. He said a king had a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. And the king was addressing his accounts and he said to this servant, pay me now or I'll throw you, your children, your family into jail until you pay what you owe me. The servant fell on his knees and pleaded with the master and the king and said, give me time, I'll pay you to the last penny, everything I owe. What he was asking and pleading for was time, just more time. But the, I mean, you, if it was 10,000 bags of gold, how much time would you need to amass that amount of wealth? I think it was virtually impossible, really. The king, instead of affording the time, went on to feel mercy for this servant and cancelled all his debt. The, as you can imagine, the servant was over the moon, really delighted by the grace afforded to him by this king. He went home, I'm sure had a party with his friends and family, talked about how wonderful the king's heart is. Then he also came across a man who owed him 100 pieces of silver. Notice he owed 1,000, 10,000 bags of gold, but this guy owed him just 100 pieces of silver, the lesser metal. And he said to the person who was owing him something, please forgive me, give me time, I'll pay you every penny of your silver. And the guy couldn't really afford him any more time. He throwed him, he throwed him into prison and demanded that he pay the hundred pieces of silver that he owed. The neighbors heard of this story. They were outraged. How can you, a man who has been forgiven 10,000 bags of gold, treat uh, a fellow servant in this regard with such harshness? What the servant did was harsh, not because it wasn't odd, not that the money was not valuable. It was harsh because it had been forgiven so much. 
and as such needed to show far more grace for the little that he was owed. Brothers and sisters, we are those servants. We have been forgiven so much. God, the creator of all things, stripped himself of his godliness and divinity, came to live the life that we should have lived to show us the way, and died the death that criminals deserve, the death that evil people deserve. That's the death that you and I deserve because of our brokenness, because of our rebellion, because of our imperfections. Yet he died for us. While we still sinners, foreign to him, he died for us. One of the authors of the Bible says, perhaps for a good man, somebody might consider dying for somebody else. But for sinners, it's unheard of that you would want to die, give your life up for somebody who is that undeserving. Yet Jesus did exactly that. He paid our debt with his own blood. He has forgiven everything that I've ever done that is wrong. I've been naughty as a child. I've been um, sinful as a father and a husband. I have not been the man I should have been. And everything that I've done, all the words that I've used, the violence that I've caused or promoted, has been forgiven. All of it. When one man sins against me once in a day, they will not kill me. They will not do violence often towards me. Jesus asked that I forgive them. Jesus asked that I forgive them even if they did these offenses, whatever they are, 77 times every day that I forgive them. It is a standard that is high. It is a difficult thing to do. And I struggle with it. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. But it's easy. Words are easy. I feel it's easy for me to say what I'm saying right now. But when people have truly caused offense, it's very hard to practice. And this example in the hero, I say to Jesus, are you able to do it yourself? Because we must practice what we preach. So let's look at Jesus again and look at whether he's able to show us how this is done. I'm reading from Luke. Luke is a book in the New Testament. And I'm reading from chapter 23, verse 33 to 43. It says this. When they came to a place called the Skull, they, they crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him serve himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
there was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung held insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is Jesus hanging on a cross, being killed, being murdered for no offense that he committed. This is injustice at its worst that comes with such violence that causes murder to innocent soul. Jesus was not only good, he was perfect. He deserved none of this. And the criminals who shared the cross, who, were, who shared the crucifixion with him, who were being killed and murdered the same day as Jesus, were sentenced justly to a death penalty according to the law of the day. People not only murdered Jesus for a crime that he never committed, they taunted him as they did this. Even one of the criminals taunted him as well. Such was the level of um, shame that was held on him, that even criminals taunted him. But while he was in the, going through such pain of injustice and such physical pain of being murdered and being tortured, he prayed a prayer to God. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. This is the very act of being murdered. He prays a prayer of forgiveness. One of the other criminals being crucified noticed the injustice and said, Jesus, would you just remember me? He was a criminal who deserved a death penalty, which, which, which suggests that his crime was quite uh, a horrible, horrific, horrible crime. Jesus turns to him and said, I will be with you today in paradise. No, he forgives those that crucify him. And in the same moment, he also reconciles those that ask and seek reconciliation. Such is the love of our God. Such is the love of Jesus. And he expects us to do exactly the same. So my challenge to you, who has held violence at you? who has taunted you with words, who has made life so hard and difficult for you. The sense of injustice that you feel is right. The anger and pain and desire for vengeance that you feel is justified. But Jesus asks you to do something else different because there is a better way. He asks you to forgive. It is difficult to forgive when something is wrong, but he shows us how that's done. While they were murdering him, he forgave them. I don't know when it was that somebody caused this offense to you.
the one you can't even bear to talk about. There is a way, another way of dealing and managing that offense. It's not that it was justice, justifiable. It's not that you are wrong to feel what you feel. But Jesus' way is that forgive. Let them go. According to Wikipedia, be intentional and go through a voluntary process of, let, of changing your feelings and attitude regarding the offense and work to overcome the negative emotion that's about that's that's come with that offense that has been done against you i don't think it's humanly possible to forgive some of the great injustice that have happened but we have a friend in jesus who walks the walk with us he has left us with his spirit and the spirit can help us to do this which is beyond our capability as humans. He came to achieve for us that we ourselves could not achieve as humanity. If you know Jesus, why don't you talk to him? We call that prayer and talk to him about the offense. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed, to be treated unjustly, to be violated. And he knows the cost of forgiveness because he paid it fully. So talk to him about that offense and ask him to help you change your feelings towards it and release the person who has offended you. If you don't know Jesus, I'm sure you would have people who have offended you too. Some offenses are far easier to forgive and forget. Others will have left a mark on you. And it is those offenses that I don't think that with just your power, you're able to let go. But you can ask Jesus, as the criminal on the cross did, and say, Jesus, today, would you walk with me? If that is you and you want to ask Jesus, why don't you say this after me? This is a prayer to give your life to Jesus and to invite him to walk with you and support you with life. Jesus, thank you that I've heard of your love for humanity. Thank you that you came to overcome the forces of darkness that work against me. Thank you that you paid the price for my debt, that I will be debt free. Thank you, Lord, that you also came to show me the way to, to live my life. I pray today that you help me walk with you, learn from you, and be your disciple, one who follows you and your teaching. I realize, Lord, that some of the things you'll ask of me are beyond my capability. So I ask your Holy Spirit to fill me right now and for him to talk to me and to teach me how to live the way you have asked of us. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations, you've done a wonderful thing. You have become a Christian today. There is a lot of work to be done still. There is, this is a life-changing decision, so your life necessarily has to be different. And you will do well to communicate with uh, a Christian uh, group. We have, at the end of this pro uh, broadcast, we have our contact details on the screen. Please, please, that's also another difficult thing to do. Reach out and let us make yourself known 
we will be willing and pleased and be privileged to walk with you through this walk. If you are already a Christian or wherever you are listening to this today, please take seriously the call from Christ to live the right way. The true human way of life is to forgive offenses. It's not easy, but it pays so many dividends when we do it well. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend and uh, week and enjoy the weather. And we continue to pray that you stay safe and we continue to suppress the virus and minister to one another. Until we meet again, God bless you. Amen.